so Caroline is going to be speaking to us on prayer walking. Uh, so can I just pray for you before you start? Father God, I just pray for Caroline this morning as she comes to bring your word to us. I pray that, um, yeah, where words from our mouths can only do so much, your Holy Spirit does the rest. I pray that the words that come out of Caroline's mouth are what your heart is for us this morning. Amen. Good morning, all. It's great to be here this morning. We've just got back off holiday about nine o'clock last night. (laughs) So I'm still stepping into this, so I might warm up as I go. But uh, yeah, it was a great holiday. And um, I'm guessing that's where a few other people are this morning, still enjoying their holidays. Anyway, I would like to start by you chatting to the person next to you, just for a minute or two. Um, And remember, when I tell you to stop chatting, stop chatting. I know how this goes. You're all a bit naughty when I give you permission to chat. Right. The question I've got for you is, how do we see this nation saved? What do we need to do? Okay. How do we see this nation saved? It should be on the PowerPoint as well. There you go, if you can't remember the question. Go. Right, okay. Sorry to uh, drop a big question on you. It's quite a big one, isn't it? Because I'm guessing this is actually something we'd all love to see, see our nation turn to God. And I've been wrestling with this question maybe for a few years now. Because we know that God's church is his saving plan for the world through the name of Jesus and the work of Holy Spirit. And we are the good news. We get to carry it. We get to share it. We get to live it. Our very mandate in this church is that we are blessed to be a blessing. We want to see the overflow of blessing, don't we? And God has invited us into his mission Because God is, in his very nature, mission. The purpose of this church is to see God's kingdom come, to spread the good news. So why are we not seeing the breakthrough that we want to see? Let's look at Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Acts carries on and it continues and then it starts to talk about how Peter addressed the crowd following this tongues of fire resting on him. He said to them, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, 
Blood and fire, billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now at this point, Peter goes on to tell them that actually the Messiah, Jesus, that had come to them, that they had crucified. And it says that the people were cut to the heart about this. And they said, what shall we do? And Peter tells them that they need to repent and to be baptized. And then the Bible passage goes on to tell us that 3,000 of them were baptized. Then in Acts 2, 42, 47, a bit further on, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I don't know about you, but this is the kind of church I want to be in. Where we gather to worship God and celebrate his work and be family together and follow Christ and pray. But this is not our whole story. How do we be a church that lives this message of revival, of people coming to faith daily? You see, we can't actually produce this kind of fruit without God's presence with us. In John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, our best efforts in mission will not win us fruit. Our missional communities won't bring forth fruit without the presence of God and prayer. And in Acts 2, we see this as their starting point, that they started from a place of prayer, and that was when Holy Spirit came and rested on them. Another thing that sticks out to me in Acts 2 is that Peter is quoting words from Joel in the Old Testament, and it says that he will pour out his spirit on all people. Now, this word was really significant to me in particular when we decided to move to Coventry, because we were working in a context that was actually quite heavily deprived and poor, and I knew that God had his favor on those people, but when God told me to come here, I, was, I needed a word that where God told me he was also going to be present here too. Because for me, I don't want to go anywhere where God is not at work. Now, obviously, God is at work everywhere, and he's at work in this church, but God told me when we came here that he would pour his spirit out on all people. And I really believe that that is what he wants to do in and through us, that he wants to pour his spirit over each person here, not discounting anyone. Sometimes it's quite easy to discount ourselves from the presence of God. Maybe we feel that that isn't the gift that we flow in. Maybe we feel we're not prophetic. Maybe we feel that actually we don't often experience God in a physical way. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to meet with you. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to pour out his spirit on you. And we see when he poured out his spirit on the apostles, there wasn't anybody left out. Nobody was left out in that room. And I don't believe that anyone here... God wants to leave out of this. 
And then this last bit of Acts gets my attention where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what does that look like for us? Well, the apostles' teaching is basically the Old New Testament, isn't it? (laughs) That's what they were teaching, and that's what they wrote about. They devoted themselves to that teaching and fellowship. They They devoted themselves to being community together, to sharing communion and breaking bread together. 1 Corinthians 11:26 that when it says that when we break bread together we're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. It's our hope. It's what we're looking to, a new kingdom. And it also says that they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, none of these concepts are probably very new to us. If you've been a Christian a while, you will have understood all of these things and see that that is part of your life with God. But sometimes I wonder whether there's a temptation to squeeze all this into a Sunday morning. Now, I'm not much of a mathematician, but I was doing a few calculations. And if we squeeze all of this into a Sunday morning, that means that 1.2% of our time is spent doing this. If we're generous, let's say, well, at least eight hours a night we're sleeping, so it's not true that we would be pressing into this stuff all the time. Well, that arrives us at 2.24% of our time being spent doing this. And even if you add a midweek thing into it, we still only get to 4 point something percent. We need to live this and breathe this, and I don't want us to be settling for anything less. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm assuming that you're not living this in your life, but when I see our fruit, I think there must be more. I don't know whether you agree with me here. Do you agree? I really hope that there is more than this because I really want to see people come to faith and I really want to see transformation and I really want to see it through this church. That is my hope and dream and that is why I took this job. For nothing less. Not because I'm really invested in Sunday morning. It's because I'm really invested in what the church is about and its mission to the world and to see lives healed and changed and transformed Nothing less. And I want it for our kids and I want it for our youth and I want it for our students and I want it for every age. We are great because we're a church that has every age group in it. We get to see it in the fullness across the generations to see lives healed and transformed in every generation to see people coming to faith. And I really want to see that. And it will cost us our lives. Every day in Acts, they saw new people come to faith. What would it look like if we saw that as a church? Every day, see people come to faith. In our lives, we get to live it. And we all do different jobs. We're all in different arenas. Some of you are in education. Some of you are in social services. Some of you are students. Some of you are doing your own businesses. Whatever we're doing, we get to live it and breathe it. Because our identity is first and foremost as a child of God, carrying the mission of God wherever we're serving him, because ultimately we are serving him first. Who are those that you're reaching out to? This may seem like a really strange place to start when the talk is about prayer walking. But I want to just highlight to you the power of prayer. 
I was at a learning community last week and we were um, listening to this guy in Whitby. Um, he and five other people started to meet together and pray for God's mission. And they planted something into this like cafe bar after a couple of years. And basically in the first two months, they saw 75 people come through and come to faith. And then from that, they planted other communities. And they now are a community of a few hundred people, all meeting in different groups, seeing people come to faith. And when we ask them, well, what percentage of that is other believers moving to what you're doing? And what percentage of that is people coming to faith? And they said it's about 60% of that is people who've come to faith. That one in 96 people that they've reached in Whitby now. And I was like, that is a powerful message. And it started with prayer. If we want to see growth in this church, we need to learn to pray. We need to learn to remain in God. In our MCs, we need to be praying that people will come to faith. I know it's something that I really want us to start taking hold of in my missional community is, are we praying for people to come to faith alongside living out, being blessed to be a blessing, talking to them about God, but are we praying for it? I would love us to see 10,000 people come to faith. And on one hand, it's just a number, isn't it? It doesn't mean anything. I want something that we can believe that doesn't feel possible in our own strength. That's why I'm saying 10,000 people, because from here it looks impossible. But what would it be like if we saw 10,000 people come to faith? They wouldn't all come to this church, and that's fine. But seeing that many people in Coventry, in Warwickshire, turning to God and believing in him, that would make such a difference. I want to see people added daily. I don't want to settle for anything less. And I'm not saying it's all about working harder. I'm saying let's pray. Let's work hard and pray. You may wonder how 10,000 is even possible, but let me just break it to you like this. If you saw one person come to faith and then both of you then saw another person come to faith and so on and so on, this is multiplication. But basically, if each person that comes to faith also sees a person come to faith and we do that six times, that will be 10,000 people. That means you bringing six people to faith and them learning to bring people to faith as well. Like that, actually, when you break it down like that, it's possible. Maybe you think, well, actually, I haven't seen one person come to faith yet. That's fine. We're all starting where we're at. But are we praying for it? Don't discount yourself. All we're doing is getting on board with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. But we will not see that without prayer. Joshua 1 verse 3 says, I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. I really want us to take some ground. Why? Because this nation needs Jesus. We are blessed to be a blessing. And this does mean living generously to those around us. But it also means being blessed to be a blessing means taking what we've got and sharing that and saying, hey, I would love you to become a Christian as well because Jesus is really good. So we need to pray for it. We need to invite God's presence so that we may have the boldness to step out in this. 
that's where it started with the disciples is that when the Holy Spirit came, he gave them boldness and courage to share the good news, to share the message. So in that passage in Joshua, where God told him he would give him everywhere he's put his feet, shortly after this, in chapter six, we see that God told Joshua to walk around Jericho six, seven times. And on the seventh time, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. There was power as they took the ground, as they were obedient to what God was calling them to. What would it look like if walls came down in our community? And I don't mean physical walls. What are the things that are keeping people low, that are keeping people oppressed? What would it look like if those walls came down? When um, we lived in the meadows, we walked around the meadows seven times in prayer. Me and David both um, prayer walked every day for maybe the first couple of years. Maybe not on our day off, but every other day. And um, we saw people come to faith. We saw the atmosphere change because prayer walking worked. What would it look like if you prayer walked your neighborhood? Even as you get into your car in the morning to go to work, if you blessed the people around you and just remember to lift your head up or as you're working in an office on a lunchtime, doing a prayer walk through the office. Or if you're at school saying, hey, I'm going to prayer walk my school or prayer walk my university. What would that look like if we were all doing that? I believe we'd start to see breakthrough. And if you aren't able to walk, you can just plot a map and start praying for roads around you. You can still bless your neighbors without stepping outside of your doors. You can still bless the streets around you. Imagine if we walked all of our streets and invite God's kingdom to come. And God is doing something in this nation in prayer walking. I'm not the only person banging on about this. There are other people in other places. Nearly a year ago, this idea came to me in December last year. So I oversee prayer for a network called Kairos Connections, which is a network of churches that is looking for the re-evangelization of the UK to see people come to faith. And um, as I was praying for what the strategy was, I felt like God told me, prayer walk the nation. And um, this idea came to me. And um, so what's happening is in May 2020, the two weeks running up to Pentecost, um, I am organizing a prayer walk from London to Chester, 260 miles, that churches across the Kairos Connection Network can get involved in, can sign up for a few miles of that route. And we're going to prayer walk the canals because there's toilets and <laughs> restrooms and food and drink but we're going to prayer walk the nation because we need to see a change. I'm hungry for more. Let's see something happen and let's be active about doing something about that. So I'd also invite you to join me with that as well. One of those weeks is half term. And so if you're not doing anything, you can bring your families along. You can bring your dogs along. You can bring whoever, but let's prayer walk. Let's pray for God's blessing on this nation. Let's pray for returning in this nation. And if you want to sign up to that, there will soon be a website where you can. Just Din Welby started a campaign not so long ago, a couple of years ago, called Thy Kingdom Come, which is about praying for people to come to faith. 
And as part of that, wouldn't it be great if us, along with other churches, really started to pray for the ground? The reason I think prayer walk is significant in this time is that I think God is saying, come out of the churches and pray. Don't just pray inside. Let's pray out. Let's take the blessing out. Let's be salt and light out. We could even start in our own missional communities. If you're like, I don't even know what prayer walking is or what that would look like. Um, I just want to share a little idea that I've put together for you that's hopefully helpful. So Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So I've put able. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So A, ask God who you could be praying for. B, bless the land as you walk. L, the Lord's prayer over a a local area to you. Just as you're going out, maybe you're going to your car, praying the Lord's prayer. E, engage with people you meet. Lift up your head, smile, say hello. That's how conversation can happen. So I'd really love us to start prayer walking as a church. It's interesting to me that all revivals not leaving any out, have all been underpinned by prayer. So if that is really what we want to see, we really know what the next step is then, don't we? We need to pray. And after Pentecost next year, churches across Coventry have got together and have said, how about we pray for every street in the city? There is a plan in June to prayer walk every single street in Coventry for all the churches. And that's exciting. We have to believe that this will make a difference, don't we? Because prayer does make a difference. So I would encourage you, there is a local response, a community response and a national response here this morning. Your personal response to this might be, how can I prayer walk? Who can I go with? If I can't go anywhere, how can I do it from my home? Like, how are you praying for people to come to faith? Secondly, as a community, what does it look like for us as a church, for our missional communities? Do we have a plan? Do we have a plan to prayer walk? And also, maybe we want to get on board with what the Coventry churches are doing to prayer walk this city in June 2020. And then the national response, well, like, sign up for a bit of the walk, of the national walk. Some of it's sweeping quite near to here. So it's not that hard to get to. You could do it with people in your community or your families or by yourself. But we can all start to prayer walk and see this nation take back for God to give us the land every place we put our foot. I'm going to finish there this morning, but I would really like us to turn to God in prayer about this. I'd really love you to open your hearts and soften them towards prayer and the power of it. I'd really love us to get a hunger for prayer because I think that's where it starts. Let's pray.